0: There we go. You ah, damn. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna just take the head.
1: What happened? That shit shielded against um.
0: Like it wasn't it wasn't sticking tight or whatever. Like, okay. Now, but yo, welcome to episode 13 of the Beast and Chill Podcast. I'm your host, Hometown. Um, I got my co host with me, Jasmine Renee, DJ Rado, Fool, and 44. Uh, what's happening, everybody? How y'all feeling? What's going on? What's going on?
2: Mm-hmm. I'm alright. All right.
1: Feel like this has been the first slow week since quarantine. But um like as far as things happening like on the internet, it's just been like a couple major events. But other than that, ain't nothing really.
0: Yeah. True. I mean I'm over here looking rough as ever, but I got me a hair appointment coming up, you know what I mean? So I'm gonna be back fresh on the head. you know what I mean? Oh Rasta hometown. <laughs> 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 Bro, like I like I can't even really enjoy drinking because of my mustache, like I can yeah. blow, and my mustache, like, flaps. Nah, you no, know? come on, man. <laughs> You're
1: like, supposed to be at the circus with
0: that mustache. <laughs> <laughs> you can you don't got no, like, clippers at the crib. You can just, like, you know. I did have some, but I kept them under my sink in the bathroom, and, like, it got wet because it was leaking my, in my uh, sink. So I just threw them away. <sighs> you just don't have to. You got no know, scissors.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I ain't
0: I't do trust myself that well I don't trust myself that much, <laughs> nah, I don't trust myself that much. Oh, but um man. don't really have much too too much new music to go over the day um don't really have any announcements. just want everybody to know that uh next month is Beast and Show's anniversary month the official day of the anniversary is August seventh uh still going to have special guests on the pod. you know what I was thinking hmm. i I was thinking. Wouldn't it be cool if we had, like, for the anniversary, right? Let's say the podcast we record that week. Wouldn't it be yeah. cool if we had all the people from the, orig- the first show on the podcast, from Jordan, Knox, and Vern, and Case Move? and then hell's y'all too. Yeah, that'd be hella tight. And then we could kind of just talk about, like, you know, the first, t- the first show that they was a part of, and then, like. That'd be
1: cool. Yeah, I'm with that. Not bad at all. Well, yeah.
0: On the fly,
2: I know you just
0: thought about that shit. Never thought (laughs) about it. man. Um. Nah. So. Other than that, no one else have any announcements. Um, I got two more episodes of the Hot Hotbox Top 5 Countdown. Um, the last episode will be a viewer's choice. So there will be a vo- voting period for everybody to pick what videos they like the most. They'll be on the last episode.
1: Wait, so when you say viewer's choice, do you mean like the viewers get to submit people that they would like to see? Or are you going to put up people and then you're going to have them vote? for who? They want? I'm going to put up people and have them vote. There ain't no viewer's choice. I'm just playing. <laughs> 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 no, nah, okay, that's that. That's fine.
0: Okay, cool. Look forward to that then. Um it's still gonna be on YouTube and uh IGTV, right?
2: Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. Last episode was late um women's women, women what you, what'd women you Day. Yeah, 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 yeah. You had some, some some nice people on there,
2: man.
0: Uh, I like it <laughs> A lot of Tampa people, some rappers. Yeah. It was
2: tight.
0: I liked it. Cool. Thanks. So, like I said, we don't really—I don't really have too much new music. I mean, I did listen to Joy Badass's uh three-song EP drop, um, which was cool. Gave you what Joy Badass does. Wasn't nothing too special. I don't know if everybody else had an opportunity to listen to it. Was it black? Was it black as
1: fuck? I would have listened to it, but I was taking care of my nephew all weekend.
0: So. I think it's black. It's 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 just it's Joy. You know what I mean? Joy mm-hmm. always been spitting knowledge, so you know Joy gonna give you what Joy you, but it wasn't nothing that was like, man, I'm I'm putting this shit on repeat. Like I haven't really done that with anything that came out this week.
1: So, so it wasn't nothing, like devastated.
0: Uh, nah, it, the dance wasn't like, no devastated. No. No. It was. It felt like um, what's the one video where he was like walking and then he was like floating, Christ conscious or some shit like that. Oh, right. yeah. to get yeah. you those vibes. Oh, yeah. So um, but yeah, I. I I didn't really, anybody else listen to anything? Um, still listen
1: to? Key Wayne dropped This Crazy Outside, which is cool because that's one of like, my favorite like newer producers. I haven't okay. listened to it, but I plan on it, and I will give you the recap. Yeah, 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 Janae um, Aiko dropped Chalombo a deluxe, so she added a couple yeah. tracks to a regular Cholombo. Um, for those that want to listen, Kyle dropped When You See Me, I Am Famous.
0: Someone said it was I'll pretty good. When on Twitter. That's what I'm famous. Somebody I mean. said it was pretty good on Twitter, but I've been. Of, his list bothers me. Like, <laughs> it bothers me. I can. Some people you, have lips and It's okay.
3: You listen to boogie.
0: Yeah.
2: he
0: But it doesn't bother <laughs> me. <laughs>
2: oh my god.
0: House bothers me. It's weird. Like I couldn't even watch the movie that much that had Tiana Taylor in it on Netflix. He had like a movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's his, him talking bothers me.
1: Wow. You watch Jesus and
0: Meryl? Both of them niggas low key got this. Yeah, but they, it's just it's just different. It's him, it's him. It's just like it just bothers me. But, <laughs> so you don't like Kyle? That Just
2: right. say you
1: don't like Kyle. <laughs> oh. Wow. You don't like Kyle. Wow. though. nigga don't like Kyle, dog. Right. I, don't, I, I don't like Kyle. Damn. Sorry. Kyle, get on Twitter and say that. real. Lists matter, and next thing you know, <laughs> you know, come at this nigga home time, and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Nah, yeah, but, uh, you know what's funny? I've seen Kyle like a lot, just around. I've seen yeah. this nigga at least like three times.
0: I feel I like s- I have seen him.
1: i I've seen, seen him. when we went down to Art Basel. I've seen him. I think that's when I seen him too. We seen him, and then I went to go visit my homeboy in Cali. Like over like the holiday like last year, yeah. And this nigga was just in the mall, and I looked. I was like, "Is that Kyle? (laughs) (laughs) I I just saw you." (laughs) One, I feel like I was like supposed to say what's up. But yeah, yeah, I gotta listen to that. I mean, I still gotta listen to it, you know, for DJ purposes. I always gotta keep my ear open, so I'm 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 gonna pull up on that. But um, pull up on that keyway.
0: Gosh, Just because gosh. I know
1: that shit to be tight. Oh yeah, yeah. Jay previewed new music. Yeah. I
0: did see that. I didn't listen to the whole clip, but I did see that. He did preview um, new music. And, what's the name? Uh, yeah. uh, I do like the record. Uh, Aminé, uh, Aminé dropped. Oh okay. Thug. And um, Drake and Khaled dropped two records. People, he, he got clown for the one that sound like sound like The Weekend.
1: Yeah, that was weird. It was <laughs> weird. I was listening, and I was like, "When Drake gonna come in?" Yeah, for real. Like, it wasn't until I was like, oh, sorry, yeah, bro, that was you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I ain't going front. I really was. I was sitting on the couch listening to it because I got a message. I got a um, hype beast push a notification to my phone. Drake dropped two tracks. I know we recording on Sunday, so i was like, all right, let me pull up on this. I'm pretty sure everybody gonna have an opinion.
2: Mm-hmm. So I was
1: like, all right, yeah, let me go ahead. And I was listening, and the first one I was like, uh, yeah, it, it wasn't. Yeah, nothing special. Now listen to the second one, and then I was just like, when Drake," because I, I was I was I looked at the credits again. I'm like, is it featuring somebody? Mm-hmm. I don't. When he gonna start rapping? <laughs> and then it was one little. He said like a couple things, and I was like, "Oh, oh, that's Drake." Oh, yeah,
0: I don't I don't understand why Drake likes working with Khaled so much. Because it brings him money. Yeah, that's what I You think it's just like the bread's right, the bread's good, so yeah. he's like, "Fuck oh, it." Yeah. I record. what you got the brand cool. I just, I just don't see the, the and as far as the music relationship. I don't get why Drake will just bust out two records for Khaled. Like,
1: I mean, you got I'm on one, which was like it's like that's low key like a cult smash. Like,
2: yeah,
1: I don't know anybody that really doesn't like that song. And if people don't like that song, they don't like Drake's verse, but they like Weezy and Ross, or they don't like Weezy's verse, but they like. Drake and stuff like I've never heard somebody say I don't like that song outright so yes I think ever since then and then he had the um the shit where he did the two short shit, go on on and you know what I'm saying he did that okay. one and then he had the to the max joint which is like supposed to be like homage to like Miami music or whatever uh-huh. so they kind of to me they kind of have like a little track record of doing whatever. I was listening to D. and and I was like, man, Drake didn't even drop a song summer 2020. That's how fucked up summer 2020 is. And <laughs> then he does drop a song and then it's, it's these, And I'm just like, yeah, I guess y'all was right. Yeah. You can't can't save 2020.
2: Okay. Y'all want to
1: know, I know we don't have much new music to talk about, but um, a young man that comes after July named August, Alcina, Dropped a song called Entanglement with Rick Ross. And while it's weird that that song kind of came out like the way it did, because somebody told me I was like, oh, man, August, he's just trying to promote. He's just trying to get money. He's trying to promote his album. And I was like, I didn't believe it. You know, he was on TV crying and all of that. You know, hey, I guess I'm naive, right? Because I believed it. Now he got a song with Rosé called Entanglement, and when I say Rosé was sliding on that, (laughs) oh man, it was like traditional Teflon Don Ross the way he was going in on that. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So that was tight. But you know what? I'm going to do y'all one better. I'm going to just read some of the lyrics off to y'all. So (laughs) if y'all feel so inclined to listen, then... Go ahead. Um, it's pretty disrespectful, so you know. If you don't like disrespectful stuff, cover your ears. Um I'm just being honest, baby. Don't want no strings attached. Uh uh. I'm gonna do the ad libs too. Uh <laughs> no. uh. You just want a nigga that's gonna break your back. Break your back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm half. No, I ain't about to play with that. Play with that. You have your <laughs> man to fuck me just to pay him back. Don't you know that's cold-hearted? Once you gone, no coming back, girl. You fucking with a youngin. I be doing shit you like. I'ma just stop right there. That's part of verse two. But you know, now, now I'm looking at this. I'm like, yeah, my homeboy is right. He just trying to, he trying to grab money. But you know, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna read a couple more bars. You know what I'm, saying? I'm on my way. Yeah. Screw. I'ma pull up when he dip. Screw. He always think me and you fucking woo. If he see me, he gonna trip. Are you serious, my
3: nigga? Has Will heard this? I wonder if Will's heard it.
0: <laughs> Has no choice but to. It's it's quarantine, like yeah. <laughs> that is Now,
1: now it's getting to the, to the messy part. It's getting yeah, messy. You know, it's getting yeah. So, um, if y'all feel so inclined to listen to that. Just know was, Rose opened the song up very properly. Wow. But yeah, I I I wasn't I ain't gonna cat I wasn't a and when I saw the I was like, yo, I I don't think I'm a fan. Cause he
2: to, what
3: was
1: the best
0: song August I've seen that came out with?
1: Love this shit.
0: That's the only one, right? I mean like I don't think I've too much been a fan of August.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sounded like he was like going, it sounded like he was like rising, like me looking from my eyes, it looked like he was going up and dropping like,
2: mm-hmm. songs
1: that was like hidden. You know, of course he had the ladies, so you know, ladies get it, and hey, we don't be like, oh, I guess we gotta listen to this because he got hit. <laughs> That's what happens. And then like, he got crippled and blind, and then like, nobody was really fucking with him no more. Yeah. So, yeah. What a way to get back in the
2: spotlight, huh? Right.
0: <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah, that's that. Augs I seen this ready, boy. You ready.
1: We're <laughs> ready for war. Yeah. But yeah, that recaps new music, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> Oh man. Um I think I think I wanna uh, I wanna bring Kenna on to kinda talk about the Kid Cudi shit too. I know we kind of want to have up. our special guests on as well. We got our special guests, Kenna, 109 Kenna, MC Kenna, K the guy, whatever you want to call him. Beatmaker um, Kenna. Before, before before, we bring him on, um, how about you just go ahead and start with um, sneaker news?
1: Oh, sneaker news. All right. So this is what we're looking at. A um, couple new things coming out. Um Uh, What the Jordan 5 is supposed to be coming out. One of the shoes is Raging Bull Red. The other shoe is like Tokyo Yellow with a bunch of different soles and accents to it. Um, Looks pretty crazy. You can see pictures online if you want to pull up on that. Um, Ronnie Fee or Ronnie 5, however you say it, the dude that owns Kith, he's about to drop some Asics. For those that love the Kith collabs, he he previewed like three pairs of Asics. Apparently, he was supposed to drop um, Olympic clothing, too which is, that's a big flex, because Olympics supposed to be this year. So he was supposed to go ahead and drop them Olympic um, clothes. He's just gonna drop like two pieces and then the rest he's gonna bring out later. Um, they debut like a picture of the off-white Jordan five, which they look kind of dusty compared to the blacks. They like white, but they like kind of off-white, no pun intended. And they just look kind of weird, but you already know what, what's gonna happen with that. They gonna sell out. Um, mm-hmm. Japanese cartoon Raymond, they got like a Nike SB coming out. They're pretty basic looking, um, white with blue accents around it, pretty tough. And then um, Black at Nike Instagram account shut down after alleging racism at the brand. So this is weird because Nike was doing all the, we finna pay all our workers, and Juneteenth, y'all got it off and paid, and now there's an Instagram account alleging racism against the brand. Which was weird, but um, you know, I'll look into that a little bit more. Mm. As far as sneaker releases, um, for those of you like Nike SBs, um, the Grateful Dead Bears, those are coming out. The orange ones are coming out exclusive one exclusively the eighteenth at um the San Francisco FTC San Francisco skate shop. Um the green ones, they're coming out at Select Skate Shops, and the yellow ones are coming out at all the other skate shops, and sneakers app. Um, both the green and the yellow ones come out on the 24th. But other than that, um, this weekend, you guys are looking at the off-white 4s mm. and all, like, pale
0: with all off-white beige, if you want to say I got that. a confession. What's up? <clears throat> Sorry to interrupt the sneaker news. No, no, what's up? So, I've been fucking duped, man. Oh man. They canceled your order on the 11th? No, I canceled my fucking order. So, for all those who know Sneakers out, right? You probably haven't really hit on anything. And when you do, you feel amazing. Well, I did. And.
1: You got the wrong size,
0: nigga, because it was
2: women? Yes! Oh!
0: So, check me out. Check out. Check out. Check out. Oh. You set a profile. You set a profile. You set your sneaker size. You say you you're a male and you set your sneaker size. However, when you purchase a sneaker on there, it allows you to change your shoe size. Yeah. So the elevens that drop, you click on it, right? It shows you the price. You click on the price and then you select the available size. Most when you first hit it, they all available. So I selected size twelve, purchased it. So then when I checked my confirmation, when it said track your package, I was like, why does it say a woman's 10 and a half? I don't, I I selected a size 12. So there's got to be an issue. So I called. Apparently, it was pretty easy to get to Nike's customer service. And um, I was like, I selected the size 12 when I ordered it. They was like, oh, it looks like it, it defaulted to your profile size. So you have to change your profile size when you're ordering the sneaker. And I was like... Then why do you give me the option to select a different size on the shoe? Hey, man, apps be buggy, son. So I was like, damn. So I basically, I stopped the, the shipment, had to return to get my money back, man. Damn.
1: Well, hey, I keep a lookout for you, dog. And, and, and <laughs> <laughs> I send the you know what's funny? I just did that this morning because the Off-White 4s they're women sizes. So yep. I went to my profile. And change the size up so I'd be straight. But damn that's uh, yeah. Uh,
0: Cold blooded. Yeah, that's tough.
1: But other than that, only other shoes releasing on twenty fifth is um the Silver Air Jordan ones, highs. People are gonna be after those. There was a Japan exclusive back in the day.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: Giannis um debuts his um Zoom Freak Two on Saturday as well. But
0: yeah, that's about it. True. Appreciate the sneaker news. So as everybody can see. Uh a special guest, my brother, the homie Kenna, 109 Kenna, K the guy, Coach K. You know what I mean? What's happening, bro? Kenna. I can't hear him. You he can't hear you, bro. Oh shit. Hold on. Wait. Oh wait, say something again? You hear me? Yo, we oh, yeah, we hear you. Yeah, all right.
1: All What's right.
3: up? No oh, man, I like that. I never heard Coach K before, bro. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So look at this. So basically, hometown making up, making up nicknames over
0: whatever they call you. <laughs> I was just throwing it out there, man. Today.
1: What up, Canada? What's,
0: What's going on,
1: bro? How's Miami, dog?
3: Miami, bro. The thing is, it's beautiful, but the problem I moved the week before everything got shut down. So, mm. oh. in my head. I was saying this yesterday. It still feels like I can make it to a gyros in, like, 20 minutes. Like, I still feel like I'm in Tampa. Like, because I haven't, like, yeah, I moved and everything, but, like, I haven't seen enough shit that it looks different. You know what I'm saying? Oh,
2: yeah.
3: So it doesn't Mm. feel like I really, like, I know it, but I don't know it. Like, Hialeah looks exactly like Town & Country. Mm. So it, it doesn't feel any different at all. And like, Miami is great. And like, something that I hated is like, man, I grew up eating nothing but Tampa food. I never lived anywhere besides Tampa, and everyone's telling me now the food in Miami is better. The food in Miami is better. That's not true. You just have like, the thing about Miami is you just have so many more options. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Uh... Like in Tampa, you have this is this is my pizza spot. I go here. This is my wing spot, I go here. Like you have ones, and now in Miami, I'm just spending too much money on food because there's mm.
1: like- you got that nigga on the side of the street with the conch salad, huh?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the pizza spot, and they'll send me like six. It's like mm. shit, bro, like I can't.
1: Damn. That don't sound like too bad of a thing to have. Yeah, no,
0: abundance. Yeah. <laughs>
1: after a certain time here in Tampa, five star pizza. Hopefully.
3: They <laughs> do <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you got to try it. You got to try it. Just, but I've just been going, I've just been in the house spending too much damn money on food.
2: That's it, man.
0: Word. <clears throat> well, hey, man. Uh, Glad to have you on the show. My brother, you know, it's been a, been a minute. I know we ain't really seen each other in a minute besides FaceTime meetings and whatnot. Yeah, but bro, of, um That's what it's been. You know, episode 13 of the of Your Chill Podcast, you're our third guest. You know, um, also, uh, just want to talk about what you've been up to, man, what you got What you got going on, and, and kind of just kind of let people know what the fuck is it that you really do?
3: Yeah, man, um, I've, been, <laughs> I've been in a weird phase where, like, I'm trying to – I have to relearn a lot of shit. I'm mm-hmm. going through that phase of, like, Cause you know, in Tampa, I was at a point where I could like anything I said was a good idea.
2: Mm-hmm. You
3: know, and now I'm I'm batting in a different weight class, where like I might come up with a great idea, and I'll bring it to somebody, and by the time I bring it up, it's already done by right. someone else on the team. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So a lot of it has been um a lot of it has been uh, a relearning process. Like there's there's so much more to consider like when I had started with um Dopey and T in like 2017 I was a runner and I
0: just had to master that little position. And for, know, those who don't, and for those who don't know who Dopey and T is could you kind of explain in short like who is Dopey and T?
3: Dopey and T is the premier flooring leg in Florida or the premier flooring leg in Florida so from 2010 they really came up doing shows with people who weren't getting that rotation in Florida, so they were booking people like Currency, um, Nip, Action Bronson, who at the time wasn't getting routed um, in the South a lot at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they started in 2010, and um, uh, 2015 they started going wild. So <clears throat> when um I started with Dope in 2017 as a tour runner, so I was fulfill the rider that an artist has like hey each day on the tour i need this 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 and this and they're usually like like 10 pages long but by the time they make it to florida they're like nobody's eating these starbursts don't get the starburst nobody's eating this don't get that like they figured it out you know what i mean
2: Mm -hmm. Um,
3: but (laughs) now i remember when i started there i just had to master the position like as much as you want to go and do whatever else and touch whatever else. You're not going to do that until, you know, your current position can be out of sight, out of mind. Like Mm -hmm. they send you with a budget, go get shit, figure it out. You know what I'm saying? And, um, when you come back and you can do that without a problem, then we can move on. So, you know, I had reached a point where as far as like my duties on the tours went, um, I was straight. Like I had maps, like, I had, um, I knew every Chevron in Tampa and Orlando,
2: mm-hmm. they
3: flavor of Backwoods they sold. So, <laughs> like, the rider was like, oh, I need, you know, I need, I don't even, bro, I don't even smoke. So, I don't know what they're called. I just know the colors. I like, right. oh, <laughs> the Chevron All-60 got purple, the Chevron all 60 by the subway got purple backwards. And then the Chevron that's on the way to the Hillsborough Walmart, they got yellow backwards. So right. based on what's on the rider, I knew where it was. Same thing with Orlando. Mm-hmm. You, know what I mean? you master that entire position. And, um, yeah, so I'm in the same thing. You know, I got I got brought on the team. Shout out my coach. I got brought on um, Rolling Loud in March. That's what I moved down here for. So it's just a, it's relearning it again. You know what I mean?
2: Right.
3: Give, give You know, you got these very simple tasks. Do it without fucking up to the point where it's out of sight, out of mind. Like we know Mac has that, we know Kenna got that. Um, when he doesn't have to ask us any more questions, when he's handling that by himself, Mm -hmm. then we can put something on it. So I have reached a point in Tampa where I felt like I could touch anything. Like, oh, I want to do a show here with this person. Cool, I can call him. But now, you know, it's a different weight class where now I'm little guy again. So I like relearn how everything works. Right. You know. And it's, 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 it's weird because I got so comfortable to the way that I could maneuver mm-hmm. in Tampa. Mm-hmm. And Now it's about, like, a lot of people who know me in Tampa know where I just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, but now I'm not talking at all. <laughs> 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 that shit
2: is the truth. When
3: I first got here, I was like, right, well, I'm in. Uh, you know, I'm gonna do whatever. I'm gonna call this person, I'm gonna link this up. I'm gonna do this, and am gonna do that. And, um, like i got exhausted real quick like i used like all my good like i used like all my good moves right you know what I mean? it's like it's like i'm on the third date like i used all my good jokes and stories already mm-hmm. and I have to like come up with real things <laughs> you know so like, i realized quick that like it's not about like i just wasn't i didn't know everything i needed to know yet you know what i mean i had mm-hmm. to go back do the wax on, wax off. Gotta go back to being a runner. You know what I mean? Like, just mm-hmm. figuring out right. how to get the starburst. You know what I mean? Map out the Walmart, you know. Yeah. How to, you know, but it's good, man. It's good. I like it. Um, you know, it's just it's, it's, it's just a real it's, it's real like it's culture shock. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's something that a right. lot of people right. need to realize is like
0: there's people who
3: are like virtuosos of this shit. Like, I remember when I went to, like, I went to PV and Blake and we're both art schools and you always have kids who are like 12 years old and they're fucking killing violin. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's, like, I've never had it translate before, but there's people like that at every corner and position of music. You know what Mm. I mean? Yeah. People that you know, we might see ourselves as, like, jacks of all trades. Like, yeah, I can produce and I can rap and I can throw shows and I can do this. But and there gets to be a point where that's cool. Like, you want to do that because you become better at communicating. You know what I mean? Because yeah. you don't, you don't want to be an ANR who doesn't know what trackouts are. Yeah. Right. Just showing up to a session with an MP3. Now the engineer hates you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, there, there's 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 points where it makes sense to to be a jack of all trades and everything, but I, what I'm realizing in this experience is like now everyone is in a very defined position, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying, and defined yeah. isn't like one job title, but defined isn't like this right. is his responsibility. They know that shit by the back of their hand. Exactly, it's like this. He is the this guy. Yeah. You know I mean? so it's all about if it, it went from understanding everything touching everything mastering a, a position to mm-hmm. trying to figure out a way to carve out your position so like one thing that I can take from this that I would say to people like in Tampa and everything is like if you are given if you're delegated a duty you need to like master that duty to the point where no one else can touch it. Like, it just wouldn't make sense.
2: Yeah. Mm. It was
3: the same thing when I was booking openers for the dope shows or when I was a runner for the dope shows or anything. Like, I, yeah. wanted to, I wanted to, you know, cross my T's and dot my I's so that no one else would make sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're yeah. the smallest task, you want to make sure that, yeah, you could get someone else to go get this rapper's groceries, but they're not going to send pictures of the cart. They're not going to be like, hey man, I found everything except these three things, but here's substitutes. Like they don't have Starburst, but they got Star Kids. You want the Star Kids? You want? <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, there's,
0: there's levels to it. You know what yeah, I'm yeah. Saying? I think it's I think it's pretty dope that uh, like I remember when Dope started out like branching out into different cities. It's like, hey, we're looking for interns and we're looking for people that uh, want to get a, a a start into this process. I remember they did that in Tampa. They did that in Orlando. And um because I remember I wanna say in in twenty I wanna say twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen, I had I remember um Tark hit me up for a dizzy uh Dizzy show, Dizzy Wright show mm-hmm. that he had at Orpheum and he hit me up about booking the openers. He was like, yo, I gotta get people that can sell tickets. I was like, It's two days before the show, ain't nobody finna sell no tickets in two days. Tell you that right now. He was like, All right, <laughs> well just get get someone you think would be dope for the show. So you know me. Yeah. I put my homies on. You know what I mean? I put homies on with the exception of a few other people, but it's like I just like, all right, cool. I had gas on the show, I performed, I had fucking job perform, you know what I mean? So they they've always been pretty open with like people that they work with. So I always respect them for that, you know. Mm-hmm. And Jasmine, as you can see, how me and Kenneth can work really well because we're two long-winded motherfuckers that can just talk forever. As you can see while we uh Oh, we y'all
1: still cool. Y'all cool, man. Y'all cool because I can't, I don't talk much at all, but Me, I'll let then. y'all have it. <laughs> <laughs> no, man,
2: we'll get on call.
3: It'll, it'll be a 45 minute call just like waxing on ideas.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
3: But they're good people, man. They really, um, it's, there's a lot of freedom. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is, and the scary part is like, especially with, you know, Matt and Tart. There's a lot of trust. Yeah. I mean, just trust that you'll do it. Like, until you fuck up, there's no expectation that you'll fuck up, which is cool. Yeah. But also like, you know, when you come from typical nine-to-fives where you're consistently monitored, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, there's a lot of trust that you'll just figure it out. Like, if something comes up, you'll just figure it out, you know? Yeah. Well, um, no, they definitely um, – they vet everything real well. You know, yeah. I started before I was a runner, I met Will when I opened for currency through Gats, which was like twenty fifteen or something like twenty fourteen or fifteen. And then um I went from doing that to just keeping bass. You know what I mean? And like me and Wilson did another show. He managed me when I was making music for a short time and then It turned more into a mentorship, you know, so I feel like a lot of it is his patience and like vetting me, you know, because a lot of it isn't even a lot of it isn't even textbook knowledge. You know, a lot of it is um, behaviors and attitudes towards things. Mm -hmm. I mean, like small, small behaviors that make you easier to be around. You know what I mean, Musical. Yeah. You know, and that's something that took me from 2014, which was my first time doing anything with a bigger company or big artist, to now I'm still working on how to be compatible for that environment. Yeah. You know what I mean. You want to be the you. Not only do you want to be like the easiest person to work with, and the best person for the job. Like, you know, it, it's a 24 seven job. Like, you might yeah. only be working on something for. X amount of hours, but it's down to even like how you talk to people after it, how yeah. people, how you accept things. You know your tone when you say shit. It all matters. You know right. you just make stuff. You just want to be a part of
0: something, and be the smoothest part of it. Well, the reason the reason why I even opened up with asking you that, you know what I mean, telling us, you know, you telling us about like what you do and whatnot is because when uh, I was like, yo, we're gonna have Kenna as our next guest, right? And then, like all of us, we like, oh yeah, we know Kenna. We're like, what the fuck does he do? You know yeah, what
1: I mean? uh, like what? You like Tommy from <laughs> Martin? I was like, man, you like, yeah, man. I got to do. Got to go to work. Ooh. I see hey. Kenna in the middle of the year at Tampa Bay weekend, and I never see him again. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <what?"> <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: about it. That's about
1: but I know you be out here. You know what I'm saying?
3: I mean, a lot of it is like I can't even put a, a concrete label on it yet. Yeah. Because, like I said, I'll take whatever. Like, if I'm delegated to be in charge of this thing, I'm going to crush that. So I can't even put it on, like, a job title. Yeah. I'm just like, a dude who's there and willing to do shit. Yeah. So like when there was finally enough shit for me to do for it to make sense for me to move here and do a lot of it, yeah. I was crazy about you know, like, oh, you know, you'll start, you know, this is that and the third, but you'll be able to move on. I'm like, that's fine, I know that because I'm gonna take this, crush it, and mm-hmm. then and there's other stuff that comes along,
2: whatever. You know, like,
3: there's a lot of stuff that you know we're working on right now. Um, that's opened up another realm of opportunity and everything. So, it, it, it's, it's really been eye opening. And you know, I even had a long call with Gats. Gats um, called to check up on me a while ago, and I think I think he expected it to be like, a, "Hey, how you doing, man? Oh, I'm good. What you working on? All right, cool. Good night." But well, I kept him on the phone for like an hour and a half because I yeah. was talking. <laughs> you know and I was just telling him, like, "Man, I don't know. Like, I have to like relearn everything I do." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to. You have you have to do that. It's yeah. it's a it's a very necessary step. Yeah. Right away, I realized that the person I was when I moved here wouldn't last. Right, it was a scary thing. I was like, bro, if I keep behaving the way that I'm behaving with the habits I have, I'm gonna fuck up. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get dropped because I'm not yeah. gonna keep up. Yeah, like yeah, it was yeah. a very scary. Re- like I had, I remember like. It was very frightening.
1: The moment of reckoning where you had where you was like, Oh shit, like I can't do this anymore. Like
3: it's, it it was small because I was like, Damn, I need to work on this. I need to work on that too. Also I gotta work and it started like snowballing mm-hmm. and then I work on everything.
2: <laughs> Fuck <laughs> yeah. I have
3: like, no longer the authority on anything. I have to like really buckle down and like do the dirty work. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's cool it's cool to present things and Try to come up with shit, but you have to understand, you know, the different kinds of red tape, and the different kinds of priority. Like, it's the the whole prerogative is different. You know what I mean? Like, there's things that I can't wrap my head around yet, and that's what made me realize it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it is
0: crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I think um, like oftentimes, like I I have conversations with people about like us working together, you know? And I, and I remember we had a conversation before, I was like, man, you know, I remember, hell, it was just last year, January, when we was in LA, and it just hit me that me and you are 10 years apart in age.
3: That was like two years after working together.
0: Exactly, you know uh, what I mean? <laughs> but, and then, it, and then it, but, but at the same time, it was kind of like, like you mentioned, like you said, you started out, you know, doing music and rapping. Like I started out doing music and rapping right and then there was a point where I kind of got into you know getting into instead of like trying to be the artist to be on shows
2: mm-hmm.
0: I started putting together my own shows and then I started putting together events that I wasn't necessarily performing in yeah. so now you know we have Beast and Chill so you know the fact that we I feel like we both kind of had like a parallel path and and doing the things that we're doing you know what I mean so
2: yeah.
0: What do you uh like as far as like, if you could talk about a little bit more of like, what made you go from, you know, Kenna the the MC the MC, right, to actually wanting to put on events, that was that was not like, oh, I'm performing at it. I'm 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 doing a release party. Cause I remember you did, I remember you was doing the connect the dots.
3: Yeah, I still want to do that. I was gonna bring that back this summer, but you know. Yeah, I'm gonna come back in like June, July and knock one out, you know. Um, But nah. so there was really two big steps. One was I was not of age. So I had a hard time getting booked. <laughs> like I couldn't get because and people don't know this because people are adults. But Ybor has like a curfew law. So like Bar like crowbar couldn't book me if the show was past a certain time, so I was like, "Why don't we just have a show that doesn't start at nine or ten o'clock?" And um, no one wanted to do it. So I was actually, I was in before I was rapping. I was in a band called Groofist, which was like a punk band, mm-hmm. and I was performing at Market on Seventh when they were still a venue. And I would perform there like every week. And after a while, I was like, I was talking to the sound man, Freddie. I was like, yo, who handles booking? And he was like, me, like I do, I do all the music shit here. Like I do the sound, I do the booking, whatever. And um, I had a friend who went to the same school who was a fan of the band, who was a doorman. And I was like, yo, David, could you put me in? I want to be a doorman. Cause I just like being here. You know what I'm saying? Mm So. I ended up I was a doorman at market on seventh for like thirty-five bucks a night. But I was like sixteen, so that's fucking amazing. You know what I mean? So I was sitting there and um they uh it was simple, like someone would come in, you'd be like, Hey, who are you here to see? And they'd be like, I'm here to see Jaguar. All right, cool. I'll put a tally next to Jaguar. Who are you here for? Samurai shotgun. All right, cool, fuck it. Boom, tally for samurai shotgun. So like, he, he kept that book, and this was, like, my first experience in booking. Like, this was Polestar before I knew what Polestar was. Oh, he yeah. book, and he'd be like, oh, look, Samurai Shotgun does good on Fridays. Rufus yeah. does good on Fridays. Let's put them both on a Friday. Early metrics. Early metrics. And he was like, oh, boom. So this crowd has older people, so they drink more. So let's book one less band, put more space, let them get some more bar time. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I was with I was still in the band and I was also rapping at the time and um I was in Maccabian at the time, that's how long ago this was. And we were um I got to a point where I was like, damn, I kind of get this, you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. um I had been doing it for a couple months and I asked Freddie how much market on seventh was, and this is why I miss Market on Seventh so much. Do you know how how expensive? market on seventh was keep in mind it's like a 200 person venue full sound with a door person how much would you think it was to rent a 200 person venue
0: for full sound at market market on 7th 500 i'm gonna i'm gonna go lowball i'm gonna say i'm gonna say a hundred dollars
3: 150. that's
0: 150.
3: why this is like a dollar ticket <laughs> make money bro it was crazy i'm and when yeah. they stopped doing music i was crushed because i threw my first show there with freddie and i got it for 150 so seven dollar <laughs> tickets and like 150 <laughs> because i wasn't getting booked right and, yeah. and i had a bunch of friends who at the time were also like in high school whatever like it was me it was like richie guapo uh Tim Apex, who's now Lil Paige, Vaughn Shine, shit like that. We were all young and we weren't getting booked. You know mm. what I mean? So I threw a show that started at seven and it did well, but I was still broke because I was a child. And I had a partner in it. I had a partner in it who was doing like media stuff. And um, it was Chiefers. So it was the Chiefers choice. And it was the first Chiefers show. And it was also my first show. And it was, um, Debonair was vending there. I think there was someone else. But it was crazy. So once I did that, I really liked the game of a show. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea of piecing everything together, communicating with everybody, I had a knack for that. So I was still doing, I was still throwing shows and rapping until I remember Wilson told me something. He goes, look, it was, and it wasn't even like a lecture. It was just in passing, he said. Some people only make music for themselves, and that's okay. And at a, at some point, I was like, at that point, I was hot-headed. I was on a lot of drugs, and I was like, "Fuck that! I want to make money. No, I'm the greatest of all time." And like a year <laughs> later, I started realizing that I only make music for myself. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it started sinking in that. I make music because I like to, and I don't necessarily like the steps you have to take to be a good artist. Right. I didn't have any concern for that. I was like, "Here's some songs I'm rapping on. I like them. Here you go." That was it. So I started taking um, taking events more seriously. Mm, okay. Because I um, and it wasn't even conscious. I was just making like I was in a I was in a rotation where I put out like I put out like three or four tapes in like, yeah. like twenty sixteen and I had a really good momentum, and then I remember like I was still making shit at the same pace mm-hmm. but i what I didn't want to like give it away, and then after a while, I realized I was only making shit for myself
1: like what what made you realize you was making shit for yourself? what was it? It was a couple things it was like.
3: I couldn't, like, I didn't try to craft something. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like like all my great artist friends have like, I want to aim for this, I want to do that. I want to, um, real quick. Oh God, not an easy path. Okay, so I was like, I I wasn't um, aiming for this doing that. You know what I mean? I wasn't trying to push myself forward. I was just, hey, I like that beat. I'm going to ride on it. I'm going to record on it and cool. Like there was no, I wasn't even taking it a step further. Like I wasn't even getting track outs. Like really my music was just all freestyles. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So there was a while where I was like, maybe I could do Team Backpack or something. <laughs> and then, I was, um, but I didn't like making songs. Like something was frustrating. But the problem is, I don't know if you know this, but people like listening to songs but I didn't like making
1: them. So like, I didn't want to make something that would make you feel something. Right. I just wanted to rap really good. So you, you talking about, when you say songs, you mean like something with a concept? A yeah. A concept I, to it.
3: I had songs with a concept, but they weren't like.
1: You, it was powerful. like a millie concept. by Lil Wayne, just bars and bars exactly. and bars.
3: But I wasn't nearly as good as Wayne. And the thing is with <laughs> <laughs> so to me, it was just like I did it habitually, you know what I'm saying? So like, mm. I, was, like, I was realizing something that I was not built to be an artist. Like, which is a hard realization. Like, I'm oh. saying it now because I'm very comfortable where I'm at now. But mm. for years, it bothered me. Like, why did I stop? You know, and I just kind of realized that I provide value. Not even monetary, but just value to people's feelings. I have a better time. I provide more when I'm doing events or I'm putting networking people together or introducing people or helping manifest something, I have more value there than I bring making music. Now I still make music. You know what I'm saying? I still produce, I still record at home, but I have zero intention of ever releasing it. Like I do it because I'm like, damn, wouldn't it be cool if X, Y, and Z. You just want to get that creative part of you out exactly and it's never even a full song it might be like four bars and that's enough to satisfy me and mm-hmm. that's what I do when I say I, I don't make songs because I would, I would start doing that where like I would have 35 second tracks on a tape mm-hmm. people <laughs> don't want that <laughs> so I was like but that's all I wanted to say and like my engineer tones I'd he'd be like bro you can't do that just take another verse I'm like no that's all I want to do I'm
1: done that's it Oh yeah, he really wasn't for the people. And yeah. He <laughs> <laughs> <You>
2: really wasn't
3: We're <laughs> hears so much shit, he knows what people want. And like mm-hmm. Tone, Tone, I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk shit for Tone. Because Tone never talks shit for himself. Okay. This man has crazy credits from like Ross to Trip Daddy to fucking like he was there for like mad um Tampa hits. You know what I mean? He works with Chris, you know. Crystal, Javon Black, Lil' Key all the time. He's in the bustle wide open video. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He knows what works. He knows. Not even just on a joke level, like he knows how music works. Mm-hmm. And me and him, like even me and Tone's relationship changed. Because it went from I was recording there for like, you know, seven years. And then it turned into me just taking my artists there. It turned into me popping up events there, popping up private Mm -hmm. sessions. You know what I'm saying? So, the same way that it evolved with Wilson, who was managing me making music at a time, um, you know, evolved with Tone, which is, you know, it goes to say that you, you you know, when you make like a career change, Mm -hmm. left turn, people are scared of losing like momentum. But you just, it literally, and I'm not, and it's, Minimal effort, but we mm-hmm. still know you, even if you met them through something else. Right. You know what I mean? Like, how many friends do you have from high school, but you're not in class together now? You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. It just channels somewhere else. And, yeah. like, I was, I was scared of losing it on the turn. Like, I was scared, like, man, if I'm not making music, is, like, and that's very practical. Yeah. If I'm not making music, why would an engineer still fuck with me? hmm you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> you just gotta find a way to make it work. Like it's very, very um reasonable anxieties to have, you know. And yeah. you know, I started realizing even with dope, like I was still throwing my own events, but I realized I could, I was, you know, it was through a lecture as well that I realized I could still provide value to them.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying?
1: um, which before was, you get into the next next topic, though. what you don't so technically you don't rap but i did hear you say that you produce and stuff like that so how are you are you that way with your production as well do you still like i i make this because i it sounds good to me or are you actually making stuff because i think he would sound good on it?
3: i mean it, it goes either way like i still have like i have um
1: Because I heard some of your beats pop up. I think what it was on Instagram or Twitter. Somebody posted, like, a beat you made. And then somebody's like, Kenna makes beats. And then, fuck
3: it. Yeah, it it happens every time. Like, I do it. And I started, actually, (laughs) I started partially because of Hometown. Because it was after the third Tampa Beat Weekend. Mm -hmm. And after we went to L.A. And we took that step up. And, like, we just knew so many producers who had all these crazy producer stories. Yeah. We knew like all the new technology that they were working on, all these new companies, and it got to a point with me where I was like, damn, making beats, like after three years of getting beat, I was like, making beats sounds pretty well cool. <laughs> like, how can <could> I do this? Because imagine you've never made a beat, but you're having in-depth production conversations for three
2: yeah. years. That is true.
3: Not ever you know what I'm saying? So it just got to a point where it's like it's kind of I feel like I feel like I need to. It just sounds so cool. So it started like last year, you know, about a year ago. And yeah, man, I just make shit that I like, and sometimes people like it and I'll give it to them or whatever. But Mm -hmm. a lot of the shit I do is just like and every rapper has this, just so you know, every rapper. Here's a song, and it's like, man, if I was a producer, I'd sample the fuck out of that. And then you go and you try it, and you realize, oh, this is why no one sampled this—garbage. That happened to me a lot when I started producing, because I know producers go through that. Because like, you'll have an artist that's like, yo, I have an idea, and like to them it sounds great up here, but to a producer it just doesn't make sense. At all. You know what I'm saying? Like, someone who helped me a lot was Vern. Vern is an amazing fucking producer. Like, little things. Like, I remember I was working on, me and him were doing something at his place. And I was trying to write a melody, but he already had, and we were switching out the melody. So, he already had the drums laid down. And I was trying to write the melody while I was listening to the drums. And, of course, it's getting, like, static. Like, now the melody's revolving around what the drums are doing. He's like, anytime you write a melody, just turn the fucking drums off. Like, or if you're writing, like, a counter melody or harmony, turn the fucking drums off, because you're going to get stuck inside the box of what that's in. You know what I mean? So, Mm -hmm. because you think about it, when you sample, that sample was not created with your drums in mind. Yeah. So it's the same thing when you write a melody. Um... So yeah, Vern taught me that. Vern taught me a lot about
1: what makes sense. Shout out to Vern, man.
3: Yeah. Because I'd be like, yo, Vern. I guess he produced a lot of my shit. And when I was rapping, I'd be like, yo, do this, do that, add this, add this. And the one argument we always got into, I was like, put 808s on it. 808s. I want 808s. I
1: need to have the trunk shaking.
3: Bro, he was like, Kenneth, this beat wouldn't make sense with 808s. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, hey, makes sense for everything. It's just, mm. and like, what I didn't realize what he was getting at is like the frequency of the sample. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: It'll and clash. It'll like, clash. It's,
3: it clashed. Yeah. And I remember I bugged him so bad. He was like, fine, fuck it. I'll put Edo Witts on it. And then I got it, and I was like, burn I don't like this. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> it cool. It's make sense. I'm like, all right. But 808, anyway, don't go with it. <laughs> I, said, Vern, I don't like this.
2: <laughs>
3: so you're, you know what, Vern? You're right. He's like, I know. You could have saved this a whole week of <laughs> doing this. But um, now, bro, Vern taught me a lot. And, like, knowing those things even helps today. Like, if if we ever work on something producer related and you need somebody who can communicate that versus you know like a sponsor or something being the fact that I understand how this works you know what I mean right instruments and Roland won't sponsor the same thing Mm -hmm. um, understanding how things work at their core makes it easier to communicate with these companies too because how Mm. you know they made it harder to get like um, music production companies to sponsor us if we don't understand how music production works. Because right. not even like as far as closing the deal, but how do we make it more cohesive? Like if right. we really understand mm-hmm. what this is. Like, bro, like for years I didn't know what fucking Omnisphere was.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I heard it all the fucking time. Santos it up them, like man.
3: Like, in my head, I was always like, just play cooler keys, just play cooler notes. Or like gross beat. I was like, what do you need gross beat for, bro? Just come up with a better melody. I thought like that for three years until I started coming up with melodies and I realized how cool it was to just drop something on it and now it sounds cooler. You
2: know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. You
3: know, so like, um, understanding how shit works makes those yeah.
0: partnerships run smoother too. And I does, think. Um, when you say definitely understanding how how things works, you know, kind of helps enable your ability to connect other things to kind of make a whole impact on whatever project base you have. So like one of the things I learned, like working together, one of the things I learned from you was like early on, you were, you were a huge analytic person. Um, That was never really my forte. I was more so just kind of like, you know, I'm real big on like creating moments, things that are cool and it's just like, all right, this is this feels right, this will seem cool. And I always thought like, you came in, it's like, hey, you know, if we're able to do this, that means we're able to prove this. So th- this means that we can take this here and this makes sense numbers wise. And your, your, your biggest thing is always making sure that we have to be able to, the same way I wanna be able to explain a story and a reasoning behind uh, uh, this this product via imagery, and in events you did you want to do the same thing when it came to numbers, right? In the business side, so I always I always I learned that and made sure that okay, moving forward I I try to make sure I keep that mindset with whatever I'm creating, whether it's a podcast, whether it's you know this type of event, you know, or this type of YouTube show or whatever. It's like okay, the numbers and the analytics you have to have some type of knowledge base in that because you have to be able to prove to other things in order to start creating the income. That's how you get the sponsors involved and collaborations and partners. Cause no one's not gonna do anything if you, you can't get the wheel turning, you know what I mean? So that's something I, I, I learned from working with you. But like, how did it, like, I know you said that you got that from the Market on 7th show where you got the chance to see like, okay, this is how this is making sense. Where did your knowledge come from in communicating with businesses and getting them involved with like independent shows or artists and stuff like that? Like, how did that? What did you get that from? Or like, what 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 inspired you to kind of like get into that form of like communication? Because anytime somebody come to me, I said, "Kind of responses, can't talk to the sponsors." <laughs> That's what the fuck happened. I
1: remember that. What <laughs> Was um.
3: What really did it for me was the the moments that you taught me about, right? That you can't have analytics without those memories. Um, Mm -hmm. And I learned that firsthand with the second year of Tampa Beat. Where like Chase and Cash and Derek Gray's meeting wasn't even a fucking event at Tampa Beat, but it's what the majority of people from that particular event remembered um right. so for me and that's what Jason cash remembers and it's one of the reasons why he likes us but i um in that it gave me a new perspective when it comes to like partnerships mm. and like i've learned even more now which is great um but early on you know wilson opened up a realm of options for me that I didn't think about. Like, really, when you think of a sponsor, you don't know what happens besides we put a logo on it. Right. We fucking, um, naming rights, powered by, brought to you by, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I would always say, yeah, that's how I'm going to get my sponsors. I'm going to put the logo on it, put the name on it, they'll love it. And he was like, why would they want their name on it? Mm -hmm. What does that do for them? How does that translate to sales for them? You know what I'm saying? So it was that question, you know, and also realizing that there's sponsors and partners of events and other projects that aren't even named because it doesn't translate for them. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't make sense. It, it, that's not what they're there for, you know? So what it what it really where it came from is like understanding that at the end of the day, you just exchange value. Um, what I realized later was that an event is a, is a demographic snapshot. So if there is a company or a product that wants to reach a certain demographic, an event is essentially a focus group for that product. It's a large focus group that not like focus groups get paid to test products. This is a focus group that pays to be there. And, you know, when Wilson asked me that first question about what exactly are they getting, that's when it's this, the ball started rolling. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like realizing that if someone pays to be somewhere, that means that they spend money to go places. So travel companies. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, you have, if you have a lot of people traveling from out of state, Do you offer promo codes or referral codes that you get percentages on? Do you do this? Or do you do that? Do you like, there's, there's so much more to look at it than besides it's an event. There's people and they want to get known. Okay. What's the demographic. Okay. This company wants, wants to focus on, um, girls. They, they want girls to learn about their product. All right. So book a female artist, come back to the company. They'll help support the show. They want, um, you know, there's, there's more telltale signs of shit than people realize. Right. Yeah. So, and, um, Behind the scenes is deep. Exactly. And like something as simple as the dynamic of a free event versus a paid event is like, if someone attends a free event, you can automatically start to assume that they're not spending as much money and you can see the zip codes from where people buy tickets and you understand medium household income. So like, you know, Tampa B weekend is not going to have fucking Mercedes Benz as a sponsor. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I can't get a Benz. I don't know anyone with a Benz. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's about what makes sense. Like how do we really provide value to somebody and how do they provide value to us? And for a lot of events, it's either in, um, the realm of fundraising or cutting costs. You know, mm-hmm. um, something that I you know, tell people a lot is when you're finding sponsors early on, the problem is, is that people who throw events locally don't always understand that in order for this event to be sustainable, it needs to make money. Mm-hmm. And that's not even about making money. It's not even about throwing another event. It's just a proof of concept. It's like, if I spend this much on this shit and you're already charging at the door, so it's already about money. You know what I'm saying? If I spend this much on this and it makes this much, then that means that people think that this is worth this. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if I spend $500 an event, it makes 400. That means that according to my demographic and my public eye, what I did is only worth 400. So it's, it's about, you know, having an event that breaks even or makes money is just a proof of concept that people like it, that it makes sense, that it's fluid, that it's sustainable. You know what I mean? Um, That the concept is sustainable, you know? Um, And then once you have that, then you start looking at other sponsors. So when I tell people to look for sponsors, don't look for money. Like, your first time around, don't look for money. But if you have... A concept that's proven. Like I said, if you have an event that breaks even by itself, then if you have a sponsor who can cut costs, you're, you're doing even better. Like you're spending money on liquor, you spending money on alcohol, get an alcohol sponsor who just don't eat shit. You see what I'm saying?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You're spending money on um, equipment, find someone to sponsor the equipment. You see what I'm saying? You can have people spend their money directly on something that, that makes your experience easier and less expensive because really the event should make money whether it has sponsors or not you know what i'm saying yeah. because if you're relying on getting money from backdoor um avenues then it's not exactly um it is not sustainable you know what i mean so when i said that the moment like i said before the moments matter the most because people want to have an experience people want to make memories yeah. you know what so once you have an idea of the memory that will be in people's heads, mm-hmm. all you have to do is bring it to fruition and prove that concept. You know what I'm saying? And once mm-hmm. you have a concept, then you can start providing value to partners. Like with Haunted Trap House, Afro Blues, all those shows have, you know, Tampa Beat have a very distinct, um, they build a very certain memory. Yeah. They, have, they build, specific moments and it can be a small characteristic change of an event like having a live band or you know for people who wouldn't have a band regularly like how we never had a, a you know a rap a, a show in Tampa with a house band was crazy to me and then also like with um you know haunted trap house why have we never had you know in the hip-hop community a rap show that had a haunted house in it you know, even this a small baby one. You know, what I mean, like my my original idea was hiring people from like Hollow Scream and shit or whatever, and getting like a whole like shebang. And then me and perv ended up going with the the sports tents with the trash bags on the side. But the idea is that's enough to create a memory. You know what, mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It did not have to be so extravagant. It creates a memory, and it's just a very concrete idea because you know if you describe it in one sentence. Oh. It's a Halloween show with a haunted house when you walk inside. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Little things like that help create that moment. Once you have that and you have the concept, then you can
0: start scaling the event and it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Let me ask you this. So seeing like, you know, seeing because I'm still I'm some of the stuff people may think I know about you and I don't. So, it's it's still, like, new to me. Yeah,
1: these are big fucking diamonds you dropping, Kenneth.
0: I just need to let you know.
1: These are big gems you dropping for anybody that don't know. That's why I was just like, yo, I'm going to interrupt him. I'm going to let him talk because he's giving out (laughs) a big
2: game right
0: now. (laughs) So, so, because I look at it like I feel like some of the things that me and you have learned over the past couple of years just from being in – me, me, and me—you have put up bread, lost bread, stressed out. You know what I mean. You had, you had your people. You was like venting to Darius and her man. plenty of nights, nice. like man. <laughs> you know what I mean. So I now, like, I know we both moved in into other other avenues to where, like, like you now working with Rolling Loud, right? Um. I'm 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 also managing artists, and like I also try to use like a lot of the I try to take what the things that I've learned and the resources that I have, and I try to make sure that I'm I'm fully like I try to make sure that I I I, I ha, I'm fully transparent with with like those resources, you know what I mean? So. So like like with Jazz on our team, like she has she has a YouTube and IG TV show where she promotes artists, uh independent artists, music videos, and not just Tampa but from anywhere. You know what I mean? So like what I do now is as she's getting acclimated with, with her show, you know, I low key try to like make sure that any resources that I have available, I try to like at least move towards her way. So if an idea comes about, it's like, hey. Jack, I think you should, I think you should try this. This might, this might help. This might help out. You know what I mean? Cause now I'm looking at it like, I'm always thinking like how, how we was thinking about Tampa B. okay. How can we trade the value of certain things? You know what I mean? Same thing with Raul, same thing with Raul as a, as a DJ and his platform. And, and more so not even just as a DJ, but more so his sneaker channel. You know what I mean? Like how can you trade the value in certain things? You know, like we was right before COVID went crazy. I was talking to Raul about like, yo, we're going to do this sneaker. We're going to do a sneaker expo with Beast and Chill every year in March. And I was trying to make it a thing to where we get the sneaker community out more and not just come out and just buy shoes. But I wanted to get people involved that were really in the community that have their own channels and stuff to be able to come out and probably like, you know, have a panel and discuss about, you know, topics in the sneaker world. But I know that Raul... Is heavy in that and has his own channel, and I wanted him to be a part of that to show that, you know, he he'll be able to also trade value with other people as well. Like it's this guy that I followed named Mister Fomer Simpson. Yeah, and he yeah he's in Tampa, (laughs) and I actually ran into him when I went to I went to I went to um I can't remember the name of the sneaker store at University Mall, but I was in there like trying. Picks RS. Yeah, yeah, kicks RS. I'm, I'm in there, like Kenneth said, in their trading value, breaking down like, what I got going on, how they can help out, and seeing that this is my first time talking to them. I can't come in and, like, hey, can you drop $500? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, okay, yeah. this is what we can do. This is how you can help out. This is how you can be a part. This is what we're trying to do in our community, you know, um, because we're giving back shoes, this, that, and the third. So that was, that's, I, I try to utilize that, that same concept that you said. And I, I apply that to anybody that I'm in business with, that I work with. Like, have you, ha, are you like, is there anything that, that is like not outside of Rolling Loud? You know, I know you work with Jay Brown and, and whatnot. So like, is there is there other things that you apply that to when it comes to those who are starting out in their career, whether they're artists, whether they're another person, another person you see trying to throw events, you know, like, is there, is there? Have you found yourself working with those people and trying to, like, I guess, put that knowledge in them and make sure that they don't even make the same mistakes you made way earlier than when you made them? Because I'm 31 now.
2: So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Definitely. Um, something that, and there's, I always had, like, people like you, people like Freddie, who is the sound man on Market on Seven. People like Miles, who brought me into my first band. You know, people like Wilson, of course, who always helped me get ahead of my years by telling me, like, hey, just don't do this. And I'm not the only person they tell that to, but I might be one of the only people who listen. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I know someone who's been around the block on some shit way longer than I have and has seen success on it, I'm going to take that. I'm not even going to try... You know what i'm saying like if i tell them something if i tell you something or you know you know will or freddie or miles and they're like no that's a terrible fucking idea (laughs) it's dead i don't care if i've been working on it for six months you know what i'm saying and being able to surrender that pride is the biggest advice that i give to anybody because you know and i realize that they they probably have other people who don't listen as much because when I was helping people, I had people who don't listen. You know what I'm saying? They'd be like, should I do this? I'd be like, no, don't do that. You're wasting your time, whatever. They're like, all right, well, I'm gonna try it. Okay. You know what I'm saying? You know, a lot of it is time, but a lot of it is also, you know, like you said, is value, where um, like one of the best examples I can think is like blog writers. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They have, they're, they're the closest people to new music. They have to, their job, provide an analysis of it, listen to it, and understand it. And, you know, they're not really the best paid people in the world. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, but their skill set is transferable. You see so many people from the blog era um, now are ARs. Mm-hmm. They have They have transferable value. You know? And, you know, that goes on to what you said about you know, doing a sneaker expo with Raul. Raul doesn't need a million views on every video right who just needs to be somebody who knows what he's talking about in that sense because he is the sneaker knowledge he's he he does not make up the entire platform that is the event you know what i'm saying like um the best example is i actually had a conversation with major seven who we had at tampa beat last year the guy who did on. Um, he produced Devil is a Lie. He produced Selfish with Future and Rihanna. He produced the intro to Khaled's new project with Buju. He did like a lot of shit. And I remember he was saying he started out, I think it was on T-Pain's label, like producing for the artist that T-Pain signed. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but the thing is, is like, he's had a very, very strong career as a producer. But, you know, to my knowledge, he doesn't have a beat store. He doesn't have, you know, he has some smash hits, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he, doesn't like, it's not like every new album that comes out, you know, he's got a, he's got 10 records on it, you know what I mean? But he produces these very, you know, particular smashes. So yeah. I was having a conversation with him about that and about sustainability um, and partnerships, you know, so I remember I asked him specifically, I was like, bro, I don't get it because if someone sponsors something from my knowledge, and I'm not gonna act like I knew this years ago when I've been using it, because this conversation was like five days ago, but it changed my perspective again, because he knows what he's talking about. But he said, look, I was confused. I was like, look, um, when these like native instruments and Roland and lib, when they partner with somebody who doesn't have a strong following or any engagement It doesn't make sense to me. Cause like, what, aren't you trying to introduce that product to their followers? You know what I'm saying? Like if they're a producer, wouldn't you want to sponsor them so that like, you know, you take, they take your thing, they demonstrate it.
0: Yeah. And the
3: other producers who follow them on their platform do it. And he, he changed my entire perspective. he said it's not about the platform when you're talking about partners as technical as Native Instruments and TrackLib, how many producers still use Native Instruments hardware, let alone new 2020 season Native Instruments hardwares? So he was like, it's not even about the reach anymore because Native Instruments will promote. But what they need is someone who can communicate they're not picking the producers with the most followers they're right. picking the producer that knows native instruments hardware the best because native instruments oh they don't know you know what i mean like a lot of these you know the majority of beat makers now there's a lot of european beat makers who, right. a lot. for a lot of melodies but mm-hmm. the majority of the FL studio community of beat makers yeah. are in America and they're young kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But these, these technology companies are 50 year old men in Europe.
0: Yeah, And I think, I think that idea just makes sense across other industries mm-hmm. because I, I see that there are a lot of like major companies or just companies that have big pockets, right. That have the range but they're always into discovery of someone who who knows who's new, who's young, but knows who's knowledgeable and knows how to speak the language of whatever the industry they're in. Right. So I, I look at like so that way when I used to see headlines of someone coming out with a new brand or product and they got this person, it's like, man, how did this person you know, it's almost like businesses or companies are, aren't they aren't looking for someone who's a big fish they want to be able to put on it's almost like they want to be able to put on that person to be a big fish it's like we got labels that are signing artists in tampa and these artists aren't necessarily huge yet but it's like i guess to them it's like they speak the they speak the language of wherever they're from they're here so they already know the community they already know how to speak to the people that's here so let's get them now and then mold them into the into the big fish that we want them to. And I feel like with companies like that, they all right, this kid is a this kid is amazing. This kid is 17 years old. This kid knows how to do all this stuff that they show on Instagram with making beats, this and the third. Let's work with him. He may not have the hugest following, but he's dope. And at the end of the day, we're gonna take what's dope. And I think that's the big part of like the discovery with these companies. So I think I think with that, like when I see when I see like Raul doing his sneaker channel and I see that he's doing it through like this animated cartoon, essentially, it sticks out and it's different from a lot of the other sneaker channels that I see. Even though these other sneaker channels may be getting tens of thousands of views, because they may post like every other day, you know what I mean? I think the fact that he has something that's original, even though he's just as knowledgeable of that culture, I can see a company that's like, that come across it or may have already seen it and just like, all right, we're gonna keep keeping our eye on this before we may approach him or or uh, show interest. So I think just that, that concept you're saying I is like- receive see well, that blessing, you know
2: what
1: I'm saying? just <laughs> see that blessing hometown. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, it, it's just, it's, I, I've just heard too many stories of people who like the dude Sean Cotton from um, Say Cheese Digital. He moved to Miami earlier this year or late. Yeah, I want to say late last year, early this year. And um, I follow him on Twitter. And he said something about, I'm not looking for artists who already got a buzz. I'm looking for someone thats that hasn't been discovered yet. I want somebody that's low-key, that don't got a lot of followers, that has potential. I book on potential, not of a buzz. And I just it just made a lot of sense to me as to why I see artists that are close to home that are getting signed, that are making, that are that are getting deals, mm-hmm. and they haven't really made a huge splash in the industry yet. It just make it, it that it just makes sense to me. So,
3: or what they did do is was, was the concept. And all of these it's the same thing as an event breaking even. You know, in all of these cases, these artists no, they're not superstars, but they have proven that there is a lane for them. Like, well, I'm so tampered. The fact, the fact that um, comparatively that a song about Tampa went nuclear compared to the rest of Buck Sosa's discography was immediate proof of concept that people from Tampa like songs about Tampa. Mm-hmm. Like, if you look at the numbers of what I'm So Tampa did, you know, versus everything else, Two-Step is doing great, too. You know what I'm saying? But, like, that song went nuclear compared to, you know, a lot of the stuff Buck Sosa did prior. You know, um, that was a proof of concept. And, bro, he sounds like Tampa. You know what I'm mean? he, saying? He's got, he's got the voice. He's got the flow. He's got the style. He talks about the shit that, like, bro, to me, Two-Step Sounds a lot like, like there's like a whole verse in Two Step that reminds me of like 10 Wings and Fries. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. So
3: like, um, Buck Sosa has that sound. Same thing with Roboy. Roboy has a following and yeah. the resonance with people that people really connect with what he's doing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I have a lot of theories on that right now, but they're not complete. <laughs> but my thing is also that, um it's about the proof of concept. Once you prove that it's available and it works, people will invest in it. And you got to realize these huge companies have way different metrics. And this is something that I've been learning about recently is like the really in-depth analytics, that right. still don't completely understand how they work. Like I have someone on the team who has to like, I ask him to like tutor me in it essentially where I want to know how this works. And it's like, like the really in-depth numbers um, that help predict behaviors and everything. Yeah. Um, they, labels and everybody have access to them. Right. So if someone signs somebody, you should take that. You should heed that warning. Like there's something he's doing that makes sense to them up there. Like one of the best examples I can think of is the lights, the lights, which is a management team. I believe, I could have that confused. But they discovered and did the deal with Lil Pump. They discovered and did the deal with Dominic Fight. You know what I mean? And they have now, now they're building their brand a lot more. They have an ad they run where like, I think it's like the three largest record deals in, I think it's like history. They they manage two of
2: them. You know
3: what I mean? And the thing is, though, the thing is, though, it's not like Drake moving label to label. It was like, you know, Lil Pump had a buzz, but he wasn't, you know, like the. Like, there was so much going on in Florida. How did they know to pick Pump? You know what I'm saying? Mm. There was so much going on in Florida. Also, like with Dominic Fike, this was a dude who had a great buzz. You know what I mean? But now he's a superstar. And when they found him, like, it's stuff that we look at that looks deceiving. Like, I remember um, Bugsy Laveau. Mm -hmm. Bugsy Laveau was like, watch Dominic fight. And he would not shut up about it. I was like, all right, what the hell is going on with Dominic fight? And um, there's a kid with, like, a thousand followers on Twitter who out of nowhere inked a $3 million deal. And now he's a superstar. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So there's something there yeah. that you can't see, but you have to heed the warning of it. You know what I mean? There yeah. was a concept with Dominic Fight. And, bro, Dominic Fight makes amazing music. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lil Clump has had a good career and he can still have a, a lasting career. You know what I mean? He still yeah. can. You know what I mean? He's done a lot in the, you know, the Latin market and everything. You know what I mean? He's, he exists. You know what I mean he's doing great. Um, they're both doing great, but the thing is is that you know there's something to be said about what they can see that we can, you know um, yeah. once the concept is proven and those analytics are there, it's easy you know and I, I honestly expect personally that a lot more artists are going to get signed out of Tampa and like the next year. Yeah, I can see that. yeah I feel that. I remember I told people this like four or five years ago. I was like, bro, the first artist to get signed from Tampa will not be playing any of this weird ass art scene politics. Right. Like four years ago, I was like, whatever we, f- like these, these weird maneuvers that we were behaving in, mm-hmm. and, like doing and thought meant something. I was like, The first artist to really blow up or get a deal or go anywhere is not going to come out of this. Yeah. It's not going to come out of this weird political drama. Like, why would you go through so much stress to get on a show in front of, like, 20 people? You see what I'm saying? Like, the way that we, and it's not like that now. Tampa's very different now. But four years ago, it was so saturated. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, nobody from our scene like this is going to go anywhere.
0: Yeah. Which I feel like that was mainly, people focused on trying to be, people was focused on trying to make a cool crowd. Like, yeah. all right, I'm, I dictate what's cool, you know, just that, and it's like, all right. And then that's when, that's when everybody, like if you, if you were out here within the last 10 years working on music as an independent artist in Tampa, you may have felt like, man, people are clickish this and the third, because I didn't even, I, to me, that didn't make sense, but then when I thought about, like, when I started looking in, like, what people see, it's like, oh, okay, I understand what they mean by that, you know, but it's just that you got a lot of different people that feel like, oh, you can't dictate what's cool to me, I'm gonna make, I, I feel like this is cool, so I'm only gonna include this, and that became this weird, this- They were just
1: weird. emulating stuff that they saw. They were trying yeah. to recreate,
0: just recreate stuff they saw and recreate right. it here,
1: to. Exactly. And I
0: feel like it further pushed away from what Tampa's Tampa's hip hop scene was. Mm -hmm.
3: So the first artist to get a good deal out of Tampa. The one who sounds the most fucking Tampa. Yeah song called I'm So Tampa. (laughs) (laughs) And the whole time y'all wanted to sound like Atlanta.
2: Yeah.
1: Niggas ain't, niggas niggas ain't want to crank. Niggas ain't want to do none of the Timber shit real. that we've always been doing. Don't
3: they For real. Bust a wide open at Spurs games. Like I do? Think Lil' Key is definitely still getting bust wide open checks. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
2: Lil' Key still
3: getting bust wide open checks. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that
1: sound bite will live forever. At
3: the Queen. I think they put, or something like that. But, like, no, nah, like, the thing is, there's, there, we have a sound. And hometown, you have, when, when Buck Sosa goes platinum, Jit Fay needs a medal of honor, because <laughs> I feel like he never stopped cranking. <laughs> like, it was genuinely mm-hmm. scroll music. Bro, do you understand that, I didn't understand this at first, because when you grow up, you know, in Tampa, you think, I remember until I was like 16, like until I was like a very, like I could drive before I realized that Tom G was not as big as Gucci man.
1: You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you would have thought that nigga was a planet. You would have well, thought he was a planet.
3: not Gucci, but he is a big, <laughs> And the thing is, like, I just, I just remember that so vividly. Like, it literally was me looking at the Instagram followers. I was like, this doesn't make sense. Everybody, <laughs> knows, everybody knows who Tom G is. I can walk around school. I was going to Blake. Of course, if I go to Blake, I was, like, You know, it's, everyone knows who Tom G is. Yeah. I can't go to Atlanta and do the same thing. But I had never really been outside of Florida like that and had those conversations.
2: Yeah. You know
3: what I'm saying? So... There's 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 a lot of value in Tampa. There's a lot of value to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's 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 value here. There's
0: there's a culture here.
3: People outside of Tampa don't know what a scroll is. Baby scroll. Baby <laughs> scroll. <laughs> <laughs> how many roll music mixtapes?
0: Yeah,
1: like what, it was like nine, ten.
3: We have. <laughs> very rich culture in tampa you know what i'm saying and like yeah. that just makes me so happy that buck Sos is doing what buck Sos is doing. yeah
1: i used to say that all the time like just we got a sound appreciate it like don't try to change it don't be doing like yeah okay it's, it's natural for you to hear something and kind of like take to that for a little bit but we still the shit we do down here no, They ain't doing it nowhere else. Where, right. where else you see thugs really dancing? You ain't seen a thug, K-Wayne with a blunt and a Heineken nowhere else in the United States. You exactly. know what I'm saying? So that's what we do here. And it's funny because you go other places and you be like, oh, okay. Are they going to do it like Tampa? And that's when you realize, when you go to those other places, you realize, yeah, nobody's really doing it like Tampa. Like I bro, said last week. Bro, bro, and-
0: that's just how it was at Art Basel, bro. Yeah, when
1: me I- and Darius was at Art Basel. I said that last week. No, he started playing Chub Rock. It was um Little Brother's DJ started playing Chub Rock. So me and Darius got the cranking. Just, <laughs> why? Why not? Like that's what well, we so, do. Me and Darius got the cranking. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So the the security worker that was working the event got the to cranking too. Well, he wasn't. He was dancing. <laughs> but he got to, like, trying to get up with us. And we was like, hey, look at this. So it turned into a big thing. And this low-key, like, little formed a little crowd. And I was like, damn, nigga, am I at a crump party? Like, what the fuck is going on? We got a little circle going. And everybody wanted to, like, jump in. But that's, that's what we do, man. That's what we've been doing forever. And never be ashamed of it.
3: Fall in love with Tampa culture.
2: Mm-hmm. In love
3: with this. The same bro. Do you know how many people know what Herald's is? Who have never been to Chicago, yeah. or Gary, Indiana? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. People, do you know how many people know what Calabasas is, or Ruth Chris, or whatever? Bro, we don't live anywhere where that that's there. <laughs> 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 but we know what it is. And like, that, that that was the realization where I was like, people aren't gonna like Tampa music. Aren't gonna like Tampa music, bro? People know what Cafe du monde is. They never been in New Orleans, right? People know what shit is, and they've never even been, bro. Magic City. <laughs> <laughs> I've never even been to Atlanta.
1: <laughs>
3: like, Magic City
1: Mondays, nigga. Know that's the best night. Ain't never been in the city. Fall
3: <laughs> in love with that. It'll be very fucking Tampa, because people from other cities do that shit all the fucking time, right? Because, bro, people a lot of the time people are going to be more interested in Tampa than people from Tampa.
1: Yeah. yeah. Cause we know it. We tired of it.
3: Bro,
2: yeah.
3: bro. I guarantee you, bro. I want bucks. I want this Rona of stuff to stop. I want Buck Sosa. I want the clubs open. So Buck Sosa blows up. So in five years we have, you know, like a white a rap journalist Who's like, like, and it's like the, it's like oh, it's like the history of scroll music. Yeah, come down
1: <laughs> and do a little documentary on it.
3: <laughs> it's be a documentary of, of, and it's gonna be videos of Tom, you know, Tom jeans shit, and it's oh, the history of scroll music by um fucking Hunter Garrison from Connecticut. <laughs> it's gonna be like that little
1: noisy shit with that little white dude <laughs> kid out <laughs> with the glasses.
3: <laughs> Bro, there's so much here, and like. Bro, not even I'm so tampered. Let's let's do this. I yeah. noticed this a week ago. Okay, a week ago. I was, um, I was literally just bored. Okay, and I clapped. I was like, I <laughs> like that. And immediately, this guy who works at the office, Joe, who also grew up in Florida, goes, "No music." <laughs> 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 Like, and but the thing is, it's the dude said was like, "What is that?" And I was like, "Bro, it's like in elementary school when they turn the music off. You go, no music. music. Yeah, that's what you do." He didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> no <laughs> like A regional thing. Bro is <laughs> not from Tampa. He's from South Florida, but still, yeah. You know I mean? So. That being said, I immediately got to thinking, I was like, how many of those do I have? There's no music. And then immediately I thought about clap it up, clap it up, clap it up from that vibe. I was like, all right, I want to see something. Because I remember I'm So Tampa on YouTube had like 400K views. And I looked and so does that vibe. Bro, people from Tampa consume Tampa shit. Yeah. All the yeah. fucking time. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah.
3: Like, and bro, it's not, bro, it's not like that vibe had a crazy video budget. I yeah. think, if I'm not mistaken, half of the video was shot in Green Iguanas during the teen nights. You know what I'm <laughs> like, in that, Green Iguanas had that iPhone 5S <laughs> Pro.
2: <laughs>
3: when you had the jerk competitions at teen nights, you know? So it's like, I know for a fact that people from Tampa consume Tampa music and it's something that's lovable. Like, you don't have to be from Tampa to love it. So I really think that it's going to take, you know, the Roe Boys and the Buck Sosa's to open people up to that because we know all these monuments of other cities. We know all these behaviors of other cities. We know all these dances from other cities. You know what I mean? It's, Mm -hmm. It's only a matter of time before, you know, Tampa's thrown into that knowledge. Yeah. We have the whole culture.
1: People yeah. get impatient though. They the don't patient. like the they don't like the wait. They want it now. So they'll do whatever they think they have to do, which is me emulating other people or other cultures to get to that.
3: But even then, like that does that's not what starts the pipeline. You know what I mean? they become mm-hmm. the they become the anomaly.
2: Yeah. Right.
3: You know what yeah. I mean? Like there's I'm trying to think of an example, like an artist real who's from somewhere. But they don't sound like it at all. Um, Ferry Watt? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he's from Hoboken. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Hoboken rappers have come out now. I mean, exactly. not, you know what I mean? But like, I'm pretty sure there's probably like a really, um, actually that's a random anecdote that I met a dude on a train who used to throw shows in Hoboken. And he actually talked to me about Hoboken rappers, which is a completely different story. But <laughs> <laughs> Hoboken has a really, from that, from that conversation, Hoboken has a hip hop culture. Mm. And I got to explain Crankin and Jook music and scroll music to him. And he got to explain Hoboken rap culture to me. And this was around, this was like 2016. So Fetty Walth was still on the radio. You know what I'm saying? So like we were talking about, um, you know, the influence of him and how he doesn't. To Bukin guys, like Bukin, they listen to like French and Dash a lot.
2: You know, and
3: a lot of it sounds like out there. Um, but yeah, man, like I really do think, and Buck Sosa's evidence, I'm so Tampa that buys all evidence that I think if we just continue to embrace Tampa's culture, it'll pop. Because, like, even though they have 400,000 views, there's billions of people, hundreds of million people in the US who have never heard joke music. But it's yeah. close yeah. enough to, like, a New Orleans sound, to, like, a Miami bass sound yeah. that they would, they would understand it.
1: Right? Well, it's a cowbell, and Kai in the background going, ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Hey. Kenna, you've been giving out game the whole time. You know what I'm saying? And that's tight, which I love that. Yep. But let's get into some of this other shit. Like it. who was the, who was the, what's the best artist you worked with when you was with dope? like, what's the best artist story you got? Like working with dope, like, oh yeah, I did this and shit popped off. Like what's one of the most memorable good stories you have?
3: Good stories I have.
1: Working yeah. with dope. What artist?
3: So I I got a couple. Um, obviously, a lot
2: of cans out,
3: but yeah. Um, I have to say, like one of the most impressive artists to me from the tours that I've worked um, was Denzel, cause Denzel Curry, cause mm-hmm. his he was on like a very strict regimen and from his taboo tour i think he was on a tour right before that Mm -hmm. and then right after that he was on like the suicide boys tour the gray five nine tour and then right after that he was on um like the billy ellis tour Mm -hmm. i couldn't have that timeline mixed up but it was like four tours three or four tours back to back to back to back
2: back.
3: Uh and um that was the craziest thing because, you know, like I said, you get these artist writers and it's, it's usually like 10 pages. Um, the grocery list is like a whole page. Um, but his wasn't. You know what I mean? It was um, really like, you know, everyone always gets like, you know, because they have, you know, their friends on the bus and everything. It's all like snack food, like chips and candy and stuff. And I remember he had like, like rice and beans. And, you know, he had he had a GQ interview I saw, too, where it was, like, right before the Taboo tour. I saw it right after, but he brought a crockpot. Like, it is so funny because you watch the GQ interviews, and everything is like, oh, this is my Rolex. This is my belt. This is my watch, whatever. And Denzel was like, I got a crockpot. <laughs> I can't live without Um, But, nah, he was – his regimen was really impressive to me because he puts on a show. Yeah, he does. He performs, and he has, you know, you know a tech rider and, you know, a lot of stage stuff going on. And he would literally just get to the show. And him and um, De Niro Ferrar, who was mm-hmm. like a trainer for the tour, would run these card drills where he would just – he would work out. He would eat real healthy. He would sleep. He would perform, and he would just run it back to back to back to back. You know what I mean, so I, I think like seeing how he maneuvered that, and his team is really fluent too. You know what I mean? Like his team is a, some smart, really nice guys. You know what I mean? Um, the, like I think I think like working with and like bro, honestly, I've never experienced a bad tour team. Like everybody who came through dope is like they they handle shit really well. You know what I mean? But I remember specifically like just Denzel and how um approachable he was and how focused he was, like laser focused the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like him and Nero would like box and spar and he'd be running like suicides and shit at every venue. You know what I mean? Um so I thought that was I thought that was
1: incredibly impressive. All right. On the other side, you don't have to give any names. Cause we, I mean, we might be talking shit. But what's the worst experience of an artist that you've worked with? Um, and what was the experience that made it the worst experience?
3: I'm not even going to hold you. I, part of it is also being really happy to be there. But yeah. I've never had, like, a bad artist experience. You know what I mean? Like there was never a moment where I got frustrated or like was um, confused. You know what I mean? Like no one talks to you a nasty way because they know that they're only gonna be there for a day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? At the most. No, this I never had like a bad experience as a runner to be honest there are times where like you have to like the only thing i'll say and it's it's not to anybody's fault is when you're running the whole day you know what i mean like usually it's like oh you load in you get the groceries and then you go to helping out at the venue yeah you know what i mean that's usually the process and then afterwards you know you take people to the hotel you run people, you just run errands. But the, stre- the only stuff that gets stressful is like when you have to, I'll say the most stressful part is trying to balance priority. And keep in mind, you never met these people in your life. You might never see them again, but to some degree, you have to assume what their priorities are. You know what I mean? Because you'll get three different requests at the same exact time, and you have to be like, all right, which one needs to happen first? And which one do they care about more? And it's usually different things. Like it's almost never, you know what I mean? Like I have to go the get opposite food. ends of the spectrum type stuff. Exactly. So like I have to go get this food because you know, in, in those situations, bro, there's times where I had like 10 things to do that I had to get done. And the artist who's on the tour requests something else. That means those 10 things I have to do don't matter anymore. You know what I mean? Like understanding the hierarchy, like whatever the artist wants is number one priority. Like you could be doing 10 other things from rounding up your openers to collecting money from this, to doing that, to running this errand, to going and getting this. But the second that headlining artist says, I want this, you drop it. Everything you're doing, and you go and get it. Mm-hmm. There's one. So time.
1: what's the what's the most outlandish thing then that you might have you doing doing your work doing your job? And what's the most outlandish thing? Somebody was like, "Hey, man, I need this like right now." And he was like, "There was a tour,
3: and it, at the time it was one of my first ones, mm-hmm. and it felt outlandish. But then, like other tours came and they asked for the same thing." And the only thing I can say is that I was blessed to have figured it out the first time. It was – and, Raul, you know shoes, right? So I have to ask you this. Isn't there some kind of difficulty in trying to find shoes in November, like Air Force Ones? Yeah, because they're seasonal. Seasonal. Yeah. So, it was, so it was around that time, and they requested four pairs – of all
1: white, size 10, Air Force 1s. <laughs> and knowing Tampa, all the dope <laughs> boys are bottom up. I don't, know <laughs> so I don't know sneakers. So to me, that's easy. Yeah, let me just
2: go to champs.
3: <laughs> so I, I learned that Air Force 1s were seasonal in that moment. Um, because I called every Foot Locker and champs from Clearwater to Daytona Beach. And in that string, there was one pair of size 10 white Air Force 1s that was high top. But I need four pairs of low top, all white, size 10 Air Force 1s. And I was stuck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Stuck. <laughs> and that was like that day.
3: And I remember because I tried my darndest. Like, I called every, like, boutique, sneaker store, everything. And I remember asking, I was like, how, because it was from the artist. And I was like, how, on a scale from one to ten, how bad do I need to find all four? And all they said was, you should find it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I will find it. <laughs> Out of So I start calling All my friends Who do sneaker stuff And there was one spot There was actually They gave me a bunch of boutiques Uh We had it I found one pair Of all white size 10 low top Air Force ones Found one pair in Kissimmee And then I was like I need four pairs So I remember What's it called Hold on I want to, I want I want thank them for saving my job.
1: Um, let me look it up real quick. I want to make sure I get the name right. Um, so basically, they, there was the, basically day of the show, and they requested that for you.
3: Oh yeah, no, because there's there's only so many. Yeah, I got it. So there's only so many dates. I have to find it before they leave. Oh, uh, okay. doing it. so. I'm getting, I'm working with openers, I'm helping out with this. I'm helping the venue. I'm collecting receipts. On top of that, any moment I get, I'm like, hey, uh, Foot Locker, um, uh, Claremont, Florida, do y'all have uh, four pairs of all white size and low top Air Force ones? So I end up finding there's a place that's not on the map as a shoe store. Yeah. It's like in the suburbs of Orlando and it's called Wildside. If you ever need anything, they have it. Because, bro, everybody I called was like, hell the fuck, no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the shoe everybody wants and it's out of season who the fuck do you think you are like they all talk to me like I'm stupid every footlocker and champs everything and it was so crazy I had a friend in Orlando go hey try this spot everyone who like flip sneakers goes here they're gonna say they don't have it but you need to like let them know it's important I was like, okay so um He's like, try Wildside in Orlando. Mm-hmm. I call Wildside. It's like 45 minutes from downtown Orlando, from the venue. I call them. And keep in mind, for the whole day, I've called like 50 locations of shoe stores. And they all call me stupid. I call Wildside. I go, hey, um, I need four pairs of all white, size 10, low top Air Force Ones. And he goes, all right, cool. I was like, what? He's like, I got them. It's like November. <laughs> and now I realize how crazy that is. And he's like, Yeah, I got him. Come on. What's your name? Like, he's like, All right. I'll see you in 30. I was like, OK. And I went and he just had him. <laughs> I, was like, yeah. I was like, What the fuck is this? I was like, I told him I looking so hard for these shits. I've been calling, I stayed up late. I was researching, I learned about the sneaker cycle to understand that I wasn't gonna find these.
1: Yeah.
3: Like, and he was like, nah, bro, look, I order a lot. I don't sell them when they're in season. I wanna buy shit early for Christmas. So I keep them till October and I do layaway plans. So people can get them for people for Christmas.
2: Yeah. Mm. I was like,
3: that's smart. So I thought that was the craziest shit ever until almost every other tour of that size was like, do you know where I can find uh, Air Force Ones?
1: Damn! So they'd be requesting Air Force Ones just to perform yeah, it.
3: There was people on other tours who were like, "Do you know where I could get a pair of ones?" I was like, "100." <laughs> 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 it like, got to the point where Wild Side knew me, and they'd be like, "Who are these for?" I'd be like, "Ah, oh, it's for ah." And they're like, "What?" And like, <laughs> the <it was like, laughs> point where like, even in like shows that didn't make it to Orlando, I'd be like, "No spot, got you." know exactly where to go now wild side has fucking everything it's these old like middle eastern guys they're cool as shit Uh love them they cut a deal on the four. you know they can't oh damn for real yeah they're like they're cool as shit
0: shit. well Kenneth man uh we gotta wrap up soon so i just want to ask you uh one last question um if you could if you could give yourself advice before all this happened when you saw when you decided to put yourself out there as an artist whatever age you were at that time if you can give if you could say one thing to your older self what would it be
3: from my older self i would say um i think the obvious one is i would say it's gonna work out you know what i mean because mm-hmm. um, i something that held me back a lot was doubt you know what i mean yeah, I think I think what I would tell myself to do actually is when I, I try to do everything really calculated,
2: mm-hmm.
3: I wanted everything to make perfect sense.
2: Yeah.
3: I regret that. I don't think you should plan that much. I don't. I don't think you should plan that hard. I don't think anyone should overanalyze. And as ironic as it is, I don't think anyone should listen to everything I even said in this call.
1: <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna <laughs> know, yeah, know. fucking right. I don't if believe that
3: yourself, you're going to understand it 10 times better.
1: <clears throat> right. That is true.
3: Um, so I really do believe that the one regret I have, because now I'm in a position where being, cal- being calculated and shit matters. It's kind of like when you're little and you want to grow up. You mm-hmm. want to be an adult, and then you're an adult, and you're like, this shit sucks. But I love where I'm at. It doesn't suck where I'm at, but what I'm saying is that, you know, I was always like, I want to be calculated. I want to move like this company. I want to move like yeah. that company, when, you know, what I should have done is just get as much work in as possible. Right. Being here. Prior mm-hmm. to be, one, once I got that shot, I realized I should have gone a lot harder because hmm. I was so focused on how I space things out um, and creating a moment. So focused on making everything look polished that I, I, I feel like I have, I could have closed a lot of these gaps in my knowledge earlier. Mm-hmm. on. I could have gotten a lot more under my belt. That's one of my regrets is I felt like I should have gone a lot harder. Like right. there's a bunch of stuff I passed on because it didn't make sense, yeah. but I could have accepted that loss back then. I can't do that now. Right. I cannot do something that
0: doesn't make sense now. You see what I'm saying? Um, that says a lot, man. I, I think that says a lot. Kind of thinks of what I would say to my younger self, man. But we got we to wrap up soon. So uh, for all the listeners, for those who uh, probably just got to the end of this podcast, man, where can they find you or whatever you got going on? How can they keep up with you?
3: Yeah, man, I'm um, 109kenna, 109, 109, K-E-N-N-A, on everything. Um, I don't talk about music a lot. It's just a lot of bullshit. But I do say a lot of the same shit I say here. Um, yeah, that's Instagram, Twitter, everywhere I'm at, 109kenna. Um, yeah, that's it. That's me. Where did 109 come from? 109?
2: Hold on. This shit.
3: It was um, I uh, it was I had a job that I really didn't like, uh-huh. and I did the math on exactly how much money I'd have to make every day by myself to not fucking work there anymore,
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it was a hundred nine dollars a day. So I was like, all right, five days a week. $109 a day. I can live the same lifestyle I'm living and not fucking work here. Right. That was, my, that was it. So, like, I changed everything. I wrote it on a bunch of shit. That was my daily reminder. And whether I was, you know, throwing a show or selling beats or plugging up something or doing DoorDash or whatever, I wanted mm-hmm. to make sure I hit that every day so that I could quit my job. And then they fired me. And I was not ready, so I <laughs> tried it, tried it a lot more. And I hit it for like a couple months, and that was a great learning experience or whatever, but then mm. I was like, all right, you know, it's it was a little exhausting. Started slowing down on some of the business, so I was like, all right, go back, get another job, whatever. But I still, I keep it as a reminder, you know what I mean, to hit, yeah. hit that, to hit my own benchmark every day.
2: You know, right. um, hey Kenna.
0: Hey Kenna. I got one question. Just make just make it short, though. Do you think that the
1: Super Bowl plays a big part in why this Tampa artist resurgence
2: is uh, is happening as well?
3: That's a good question. I think um, time you have. I think when it comes to those numbers, I think any city that has an increased um, cash flow is going to get more attention. Okay. So Amazon moves their campus wherever there's a super bowl. Something I will say that's a really good gym is people it's public access and it might be different because of Corona, but there's a place in channel side called the SBDC, the small um, business development center. And you can actually go there and you can use the same technology that Walmart uses to pick its new locations um, on the name of the program. But you can go and you can search by zip code, the demographics and how much money people make and what they spend their money on.
2: Right.
3: So you can actually buy zip code, figure out what industries will work better, how much money they spend on this, how much they make, what percentage of it is this, how frequently they spend on this. You can use that public resource to help you know, place products to help. Um, schedule times that you should do events, understanding when people have more free time and free money. Not one or the other. That's when an event okay. should happen. You know what I mean? Um, so, use, using uh, using that resource uh definitely gave me an insight to like, you know, when the Super Bowls come in or like I remember I looked at the Republican National Convention, those dates on the program, yeah. and then um you know, you see people spending more money on shit like guns and Bass Pro Shops had sales going up. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah, being able to predict trends and everything. So, when the Super Bowl comes, there is a lot of money and a lot of attention and Wrestlemania is going to be in Tampa this summer. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of money and a lot of attention and I definitely advise anybody who does anything, even if you don't have a business yet, just to understand how that regional cash flow works, go to the Small Business Development Center at Tampa. It's on channel side, like right where 60 turns into uh, channel side. And um you can use that for free. You just gotta sign up and get your time slot or whatever.
0: So I highly recommend that.
2: Perfect Thank
3: you brother. Thank you.
0: Appreciate that man. Appreciate that brother. Appreciate you coming on the show man. Uh once again, um I'm your host hometown or co-host DJ Raul the Fool. Yeah. 44 Jasmine Renee. Shout out to our special guest, Kenna109. Kenna, 109. Kenna um, this is episode 13 of the Beast of Chill podcast, man. Thank you, guys, guys. Take care. Appreciate it, Kenna. All right. It, peace, Kenna. Out. All right peace
2: out.